0: Welcome to Living Faith, the podcast ministry of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. Is Jesus Christ worthy in your life this morning? Paul said, I want you to walk worthy of the Lord. What a great testimony. If we would just do the main things, everything else takes care of itself. The gospel is enough. The lamb is enough. The cross is enough. Take your Bible, if you will. Colossians chapter 1, as we continue our wonderful journey through the book of Colossians. Our theme as we go through the the book of Colossians is Jesus is enough. When Jesus Christ is enough, our life is different. I love the military, and and, uh, I think about Memorial Day, and uh, I always think about my grandfather. He was one of those guys that. If my mother used to always say, if he would have loved Jesus as much as he loved the Marine Corps, what a great man he really could have been, you know. He was just World War II Pacific, you know, and and if if it wasn't probably for an infection, a staff infection he got in his leg in the Pacific, he probably wouldn't be here. He uh, he, he was just a Marine's Marine, you know, and. I've heard stories about Marines in combat and Army and Navy and others in combat, you know, and you, you see men that do these great acts of heroism and, you know, and you, we look into their life and, and you, you, you know, people would ask, a reporter would ask, or our nation would ask, why do you do that? How, how could you do that? And they always respond, that's just what we do. And our military has done that for hundreds of years so that we can do this. You know, I tell people, it's kind of like family. When when somebody talks about your family, you know, I don't mind talking about my own family. We've all got weird cousins. But I don't want you talking about them. You know, I know our country has gotten sideways here a little bit, but it's still my country and a great country. But I think about doing what we do. We think about our military. Doing what we do. We do what we do because that's just what we do. That's what Marines do. That's what the military is all about. That's what the Air Force, that's what we do. When Jesus Christ is worthy, and we have repented of our sin, and we have placed our faith in Christ, and we have bowed our knee to King Jesus, we do what we do because that's just what we do. He Is worthy. Is Jesus Christ worthy in your life this morning? Have you bowed your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ over your life? Have you called upon His name for forgiveness of sin because of the blood that He shed on the cross for you? Have you embraced the gospel and been redeemed? And has your life been radically changed by what the gospel has already accomplished? What makes the gospel so wonderful is nothing else needs to happen other than for us to acknowledge who Christ is. And as we look here in Colossians chapter 1, Paul, last week you may remember, he, he opened up the letter. And the first part of the letter is a prayer of thanksgiving for the gospel and what the church in Colossae did with that gospel. And yesterday or last Sunday's prayer was for what they had already done, the already, they had received Christ and they were born again. And this section here in Colossians 1, 9 through 14, Paul is thanking them, he's praying, I should say, he is praying for them that they would realize of what they have done and what that life would look like Paul is praying that they would understand what it means for Christ to be worthy in our life Colossians 1 beginning in verse 9. And notice you can, you can see the tone of Paul. Remember, Paul had never been to the church in Colossae, but because of what Epaphras did, Epaphras in verse 7, Epaphras received the gospel and was saved, he went to Colossae and started this new congregation. And Paul was so excited to see what the gospel had done in Ephesus and now what the gospel was doing in Colossae. And he was so willing to pray for this congregation and what their life needed to become. Look at verse 9. And so from the day we heard, from the day that he heard that church had started in Colossae, we've been praying. And we did not cease to pray for you. Notice what he prayed. Asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10. So as to walk worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You for the fellowship, for the singing, for the giving of our tithes to You. We thank You for what we have already accomplished as we have gathered as Your people this morning. Well, Lord, as we enter into your presence, through your word, I pray that we understand in our life that you are enough. And that we embrace that, that we allow that to radically change us and we begin to live this life out. I pray that we would understand who we are with you, that you are worthy and that we're willing to live this life out and share it in a world that so desperately needs to hear and respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And this we pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Well, I think as we look at this, we can see kind of four things that Paul is praying for, four things that need to be part of our life of a of a Jesus is enough life and if you can also look at it from this standpoint it kind of builds upon itself Paul is praying from a I guess you could say a sanctification prayer and as he begins to pray he's asking for this to happen so that that would happen and then once that happened this can begin to happen and then a, a life that is lived out as we see there uh, in verses 11 and following 12 and following that we begin to live a life that our life totally is a life of giving thanks to the father so let's look at this prayer number one if you look right there in verse nine notice how he started that prayer he said this is what i pray for you that you would be filled now that word filled is to be completely and fully supplied The word is used a lot when we talk about the Holy Spirit, receiving the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. And when we look at the Holy Spirit when we're saved, a simple way to understand it, we get all the Spirit we can handle the moment we get saved. It's not like the Lord just gives us just a little bit and then we, we can get a little bit, a little bit later, a little bit, a little later, and if, if we're not asking right, and there are some things in our uh, evangelical world that I think is sad that, that we, we have part of the Spirit but not all the Spirit, but we have to do certain things to get the Spirit. That, that's just a depressing, confusing life to me. The minute that I'm born again, guess what I am? Born again. The Bible doesn't say that when I get saved, you get a little bit of Jesus, but not all of them yet. What that word means when it comes to our sanctification, how willing are we allowed to let that filling control us? Now that's where well, the Holy Spirit comes into play. We get all the Spirit we can handle when we get saved. We're born again. We're dead to alive immediately. But the word means it's this ongoing process of yielding to the control of God over our life where we obey and follow after Him that God uses our life. Because that's why when we look out there we see some people that say they're saved but we don't know they are or not. And then when someone is born again, they're filled with the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit. It is obvious it's because they're allowing God to be the God of their life and they're yielding to the control of the Spirit that is already there. What Paul is saying here is there's a, a desire that he has that you would be filled with the knowledge of God that you would be fully supplied with everything that you need to live out that Christian life. It says that you would be filled with the knowledge, notice what it says, with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The moment that we get saved, we'll look at it this way. If you've never repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to open up your heart in repentance and faith, and you need to understand that there's a sin problem in your life, and that problem is right in the middle of your heart. And the only way that that sin can be dealt with is what Jesus Christ did on the cross when He shed His blood for your sin. And the moment that we repent of our sin and we enter in that relationship with Christ, we are filled with the knowledge of His will. We are filled with the knowledge that Christ has died on the cross for my sin. But when we look at this text, there's also this continuous life of being filled with the knowledge of His will. And that is what Paul is praying. He's not praying for them to be saved. He's already rejoiced that they are saved. But notice what he said, that they will be filled with the knowledge of His will. Are you filled with the knowledge of God's will? We make a big deal out of knowing God's will like it's a secret. You remember me telling you one of my stories about going to seminary, the Southern Baptist seminaries, they're everywhere, and I've always just wanted to do what God wanted me to do and not worry about what John wants to do. So it was was kind of this situation that I, I knew I was graduating from Florida Baptist and I wanted to go to seminary, but I didn't know where to go. I liked Southern Seminary, but I was afraid I don't need to like it to go to it. I might need to suffer through it. So I, I just was just wearing myself out, trying to figure out where I want to go. And, I, you know, when you're a seminary professor, once I graduated, they told me that they do a lot of this type of stuff. You know, you, you set up an appointment with your seminary professor, you're just like I a mean, college professor, and you're just like, you're broken. Oh, I don't know where I want to go to seminary. I just keep, I looked in Leviticus, it's not there. I think I saw something about it in the end times, but I wasn't sure. And I remember just telling him, I just want to go to the right seminary. I don't know what to do. I want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in my life. He goes, where do you want to go? I said, Louisville, Kentucky. He said, well, go there. How do I not know it's God's will? Does the Bible tell you not to go to Louisville? No, well, then go there. And I was like, that's it? He goes, that's it. <laughs> and I remember him telling me this. God is not in the nature and the business of playing hide and seek with us. You're getting close. And just when you get real close to knowing my will, I'm going to not make a noise and I'm going to go hide somewhere else. That would be a depressing spiritual life for me. So this is what happens, and this is so simple. God has given us the Spirit of God and the Word of God. To show us everything we need to do. And Paul says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of His will. And the only way we're going to go to the knowledge of God and who He is is we're going to go to His Word and understand who He is. Now, here's something we need to think about about knowledge of His will. i read the text again. To be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the first request is that we need to be filled with the knowledge of God and His will. That word for knowledge and wisdom and understanding, this is what those three words convey. I hear the information. I believe the information. I believe the information information is true now i'm going to take this information and apply it into my life and it's going to affect what i'm doing wisdom and understanding it only comes i think as you mature spiritually you ever been around my grandfather was this way and i've used this example forever he could just when i was a little kid he could do anything any grandparents around here Always let your grandkids just hang out with you. I used to think he, I was when, when um, going back to my grandfather, in World War II and a lot of the major battles on the island hopping campaigns for the Marines. He was in the he was about dead on the ship, and I can remember when he told me that. And I, I mean, I, I just I was a broken young boy because I thought he was the only one putting the flag on Iwo Jima. I mean, I just figured my grandfather just took the beach and the Japanese just died by his stare and glance. And so I remember being so devastated that he didn't kill thousands of, of Japanese in World War II because he just knew how to do everything, life accumulating, just knowing how to do everything because you, you hear the facts, you see the data, you, you understand that, and then you know what to do next. That's wisdom and understanding. Here's where we are at stake. I, I was on a bus ride a few, minutes ago, few months ago, and this gentleman says, Hey, do you know what the third king of the nephew of the king in 2 Chronicles is? No idea. I didn't think you did. That's what's wrong with our world today. We don't know the Bible. And I said, Well, let me tell you one thing. Not only do I not know who it is, I could care less who it is. <laughs> and I don't mean that to be silly, but this guy was saying, we need to know the Bible. No, we don't need to know just facts of the Bible. If this guy is, is wanting to know God's will by the secret things that we'll never know, he, the details that we can, you know, it's kind of like book smart, but not life smart. It's like I, made, I never made below a 99 in, in college, in, in, in high school, but I can't hold a job down because I'm just book smart. I did not have that problem. <laughs> Bible wisdom and knowledge and understanding is knowing the facts of Scripture. It's knowing the God of Scripture and the gospel of Scripture and how it fits into my life. See, the Bible is a story about redemption, not just facts. And so, yes, knowing the facts of Scripture helps us. Every time I read the Bible, I'm not looking for, oh, that'll be something that'll be impressive to share on Wednesday night. No, when I read Scripture, I want Scripture to tell me, what does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about the need of Christ? What does this teach me about the new covenant? What does this teach me about the gospel? What does this Levitical system of things teach me about redemption in the blood of the Lamb? What does this teach me about my life in Christ? That's growing in the knowledge and the will and understanding. We've got to read the Bible not for data but for relationship and exposure to who God is. So guess what happens when we don't read the Bible like that? We never grow in the knowledge of the will of God and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If we're not people of the Spirit and people of the Word, we're never going to grow in the knowledge and the understanding of the will of God. The will of God is not where to go to seminary. The will of God is not who to date and who not to date as much as this. The will of God is doing what God wants you to do it, when He wants you to do it, and how He wants you to do it based upon what He's already told us. Paul says, love the Lord Jesus Christ, love His Word, live a life filled with the Spirit. You'll know his will. When we look out there at the world today, have you ever said, told yourself that? You know, a lot of times when I read the paper, I always say, what will they, th-? you know, you'll feast, you know, you're like 10, 10 dumb criminals or something they come out with every year, and you're just thinking, what, what, who does that? No wisdom, knowledge, or understanding. What else is the world supposed to do? Just whatever you want to do. It's a free-for-all. It's the life of Burger King. Have it your way every day. Paul says, I want you to grow in the knowledge of my will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Number two, so that we'll walk worthy worthy is is a word now that we want worthy in a manner worthy of the Lord. That word worthy is one of those words it's hard to define. What is worthy? I mean, if it's like glory, how do you define glory and worthy? The idea is you give value to something. What a great compliment it would be for us that our life gives value to the gospel of Jesus Christ the way we treat people, the way we live in the world that we live in. We just give value to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to walk worthy, in a manner worthy, in verse 10, of the Lord. Paul said, I want you to walk worthy of the Lord. What a great testimony that we know who we are in Christ. We're excited about who we are in Christ. And everywhere we are, this is what this word means, everywhere we are, we give value to the gospel. And what redemption has done for us. Too often we have to tell people who we are. You know, it's like, oh, you go to church, and that's kind of it's not really a compliment when your best friend or your somebody you know for a long time looks over and goes, I didn't know you went to church. Think about it. Oh, I didn't know you were a believer. Sometimes we know we shouldn't do certain things because we know what's wrong. and It's kind of like we don't want to get in trouble. It's, it's kind of one of those things is raising children. You know, Sharon used to always say, I want you to go clean your room up, and I want you to have joy in the Lord as you do it. And I used to always remind her, that is a noble place to start, but I'm their father. I don't even do that with joy in the Lord. But the idea was, I don't want you to go clean your room up because if you don't, you're going to get a spanking, we're old school. We, we believe in spanking. I want you to go clean your room up, and I want you to do it because you do all things heartily to the Lord. And by the way, if you don't do it with joy, you're going to get a spanking. I think a lot of times we live our Christian life. Well, I can't do this because if I can't do if I do this, I'm not a good Baptist. Or if I don't do this, I'm not going to be a good Christian. And if I don't do this, no, I, won't. I think what the Lord wants, and this is what I know your pastor wants, I want you to do it because it gives value to the Lord Jesus Christ. I go to church because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And instead of looking for a reason not to go to church, I'm looking for all the reasons to go to church. We don't give so that God will be happy. You gave, check the box. We give because it it brings value to the Lord Jesus Christ and we're showing him you own everything, Lord. It's yours anyway. We witness not because we have to. We witness because we want to because our life gives value to the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what he said this life looks like. It is fully pleasing to Him. And when I I see the the idea of the individual sanctification, I call it in the Christian life, I, I enjoy that. Because I know that each one of us are different as we look around. We're different. That's good. But if we're not careful, we weigh our obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. Of well, I can't do that, so God, that's not going to please the Lord because I don't I don't sing like joy, so uh, uh, that's not going to please the Lord. I don't wear a tie like Matt does this Sunday, so that's not going to please the Lord. I don't do the things Matt, and, and vice versa. Could you imagine how? crazy a place would be if everybody acted the same could you imagine if everybody at first baptist church acted like me well before you laugh what if we acted like you but here's the thing about it i know when i pray and seek the face of god and I'm reading the Word to know more about Him and how that applies into my life, and I'm living the Spirit-filled life where I'm in tune with the Spirit, I know when I'm doing the things in my life that I know I need to be doing as a believer, I know that God is talking to me, and I know that as I read His Word, and therefore I know based on what I'm doing with my walk with the Lord, what I am doing is pleasing Him. Scripture talks about, I think it's in 1 Thessalonians, to be a God-pleaser or man-pleaser. One of the most difficult things for a pastor is we want to be man-pleasers because it's just natural as a shepherd. You want the flock to be happy and to like you. And there's a lot of truth to that. We need to be servants of doing everything we can do when we lead things. But ultimately, we should be God-pleasers. And I have His Word. I know His Word teaches me what is right and what is wrong and what I should strive after. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to be standing in a crowd with you all. I'm going to be standing before Christ. And with my unique personality and my spiritual gift of busyness and low attention span, that spiritual gift of a thousand different sermons rolling in my mind right now the Lord King Jesus is going to say, you did exactly what I asked you to do with the way I made you to do it. That's all I'm striving for. Fully pleasing to Him. He is enough. Bearing fruit and growing. Notice what it says, Be filled not fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What's the last one? Self-control. That's fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can we do it again? Somebody says... What does it mean to bear fruit? Love, joy, peace. Isn't that simple? Gosh, it's so simple. If we would just do the main things, everything else takes care of itself. Everything I do in life I could gauge by the fruits of the Spirit. With this loving, with this joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is what bearing fruit is. If that is our life, we're bearing fruit for Him. Everything else manifests itself off of the fruits of the Spirit. That's it. Are you bearing fruit? Is your life pleasing to Him? In every good work, increasing the knowledge, notice what it says, of God. So what it is, is that we are being filled with the knowledge of His will. We're knowing God and His will. Secondly, we're walking worthy. As we walk worthy, we're pleasing Him, we're bearing fruit, and we're increasing. And the part I think we miss so much about increasing is there's two things we don't do very well. One is we don't take in more knowledge. That is something of Baptist is historically bad about that, and I can only talk about Baptist because that's all I've ever been. I'm sure Methodist and Pentecostal and everybody else is just as bad. You've heard me say this before. It's like we've got a, a Sunday school flannel art. You know what flannel art is? That flannel art. Our youth group does not. Even, they, they are. We're going to. Matt. I want Matt. I want you to teach Wednesday night's lesson using flannel art. (laughs) They'll go, okay, kids, you need to be here. Flannel art. Before there was PowerPoint, there was flannel art. And adults will say, oh, I know all the Bible stories. I call it Sunday school Bible knowledge. I know all the big stories. Well, all the big stories are there to fit together to point us to who God is and how the gospel affects our life and so I grow up in a good Southern Baptist church and I I take my Sunday quarterly and I read it every week I love my Sunday quarterly I come to prayer meeting and Bible study I listen to another sermon but there's no growing in my own knowledge I remember years ago in a a, a church meeting and we we had our, our little ministry meetings we called them instead of business meetings it just sounds better doesn't it we had a ministry meetings and, and something happened and we were talking about the Baptist faith and message and something came out about the Baptist faith and message. And so somebody met me. I could tell they were upset. They have a, the spiritual gift of upsetness. I reminded them that's not in the list. They were just tore up about something. And I was like, I, I don't know what to tell. I think it was losing their salvation. And I just said, well, that's just... Not only does that what Scripture teaches. That's what Baptists believe. That we believe. Once you're genuinely saved, you don't lose sight. And they were mad at me. Well, I've never heard that before. You're right. It's our fault. You never heard it. Before. you know what I said. I was, I was young then. I said that's not a me problem. That's a you problem. You should have been in a better church. And it took six months of reconciliation. We finally got things back right. But I'm like, that's not my fault. You've never heard that before. We're back. I mean, that's just we're baddest. They never grew in their knowledge of who God was. Paul's praying from the very beginning. I want you to know God's will. I want you to walk worthy. But as you walk worthy, you're fully pleasing, you're bearing fruit, and you're increasing in the knowledge of God. So what that means is we need to get off the Internet. and We're all guilty of this. We need to quit listening to every sermon out there on certain things, and we just need to open up the Bible. I'm not saying don't listen to sermons and don't read, get off the internet, but I think we've gone to the extreme this day with all this technology. We go everywhere to find the answers instead of here. Just go to the Word and read the Word. And grow in your knowledge and understanding. Take notes. Write questions down. I don't understand this. How does this fit together? Then you can use your resources and pastors and stuff. But just grow in your knowledge of the Word. You know as well as I do right now, and I would never do this to make a mockery of anything because I have failed this before too in seminary. If I were to stand up right now and do Bible drill, about 75% of us would fail, wouldn't you? And I always use an example. If we don't know where the books of the Bible are, I guarantee you we're not reading them. Amen? You want to try it? You mean me pick somebody out and ask what Hezekiah is? No, I'm just kidding. We were in college. They asked all of us to stand up in the New Old Testament college class and said, when you find Obadiah, sit down. I think I lied and just sat down and then repented later. It's a little book in there. head. I did. I, lied. I sat down. And I didn't stand up. Then I went to chapel and repented. I lied. That's embarrassing. And that's on you. That's not a me problem. That's a you problem. We have the Word and the Spirit grow in it. Third, Paul says, I want you to mature. He said, I want you to grow in the knowledge of His will. I want you to walk worthy. Right now, you're walking worthy, pleasing Him. Bearing fruit, increasing. That's a that's a good thing to look at every day. Am I bearing fruit? Am I, am, I, am I growing in my knowledge every day? Am I, am I pleasing God today? Here, everybody, whether you're kids or adults, every time you do something, is this pleasing God? Is, is, is this what I need to do? If, if Jesus was standing right here, would I do this? Is what I'm doing, is what I'm fixing to say, is what I'm thinking, is how I'm living, is this pleasing God? Is this bearing fruit? Am I experiencing and growing in my knowledge of God every day? That's what a worthy life looks like. Number three, like I said, it kind of grows together, knowledge of His will. Growing in that relationship, walking worthy. Third, maturity. Sooner or later, we just have to grow up, don't we? Sooner or later, we just have to say, you know, when are we going to grow up? And this is why I say this real quick. Look at verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power. So the power's there. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So here's the great thing about it. He's got the power. It's His might. Everything we need is there. His power, His might, His will, His way, His presence. We've got the body of Christ, the the person of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the Word. We've got everything we need. Everything. His power, His might, everything's there. May you be strengthened according to His might for all endurance and patience with joy. This is why I come up with the word maturity. As we grow in the knowledge of His will, as we are walking worthy of the gospel, we're going to live a mature Christian life. And here's the basis of mature Christian life. How do we respond to the life around us? How do we respond when we get out of our Theological Christian bubble. When we, when we walk out of our quiet time setting, when we shut the door, when we, you know, we've got up on Monday morning, we've been in the Word, we're listening to Christian music, we're, we're singing and praising the Lord. Isn't that great? Don't you wish you could just stay in your car all Monday? Then you have to go to work. Then you have to face reality. What happens then? And Paul says, as you grow, I love these two words, endurance and patience. Endurance, circumstances. Patience, people. You're never going to be in a world that is perfect. America is not ever going to be a perfect place to live. We're never going to live in a country to where everything is perfect. Never has, never will." Church has never lived in that environment, and it's not been called to live in that environment. But what it is, is I can live in the world that I'm living in, in these circumstances. I can live in such a way that I react in a way that I'm filled with the knowledge of His will, and that I'm walking worthy. Anybody have any people that gets on the nerves a little bit? Lost people, No, I won't say that lost people bother me one way saved people bother me another way I'll be honest with you I want to pray for lost people when they aggravate me every now and then I want to punch a Christian when they bother me because they ought to know better if you think about it, I ought to know better I ought to know better if I treat my wife in a way that's not worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ as a godly husband, I ought to know better If, a, if we looked at last week, love for all the saints. We need to love all the saints because he first loved us. I need to learn to love the world without being compromising what the world is teaching. I need to know what I believe is the truth and not let the world compromise that. But how will they hear the gospel? How can they respond to the gospel if they don't hear the gospel? You can say it from this standpoint. How in the world would Pastor John Beck make an impact in Avon Park with the gospel unless they hear the gospel? And the last time I checked, we've got plenty of room for visitors. So I need to take the gospel out there. And every time I go somewhere that somebody gets on my nerves because they're lost, I'm not ever talking to them. Get over it. When it comes to people and circumstances, you know what gets us through it? You know what Christian maturity is? This is earth-shattering. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You don't know who I have to deal with. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's why Paul says, and one of my favorite words in all the world, and not because it's our worship leader either, joy. I love joy. Happiness is ice cream fellowship tonight. (laughs) Joy is, it's not based on the circumstances. It's based on my relationship. Joy is, it doesn't matter what the world throws at me. I'm his and he's enough. Joy is, gosh, it's getting tough. Sure, it's tough. That's why we're the church. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified, delivered, transferred, and redeemed. He's qualified as He's made us competent. He's delivered us from darkness into light. He has transferred us from one place to another. And He has paid the price in full. Paul says, church in Colossae, God is saying, Church in Avon Park, I want you to know the knowledge and the will of God in all wisdom and understanding. I want you to live a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit. I want you to live a life of Christian maturity where circumstances and people, they don't bother you anymore because you've lived a life of Christian joy. And I want you to live a life of worship and thanksgiving for what has been done through your life for the gospel. It's paid in full. We don't have to wait and look for anything to happen for us to be one in Christ. Christ is enough. Paul prayed for what they had already accomplished. As God is encouraging us here today through His Word, He's praying for what they could become. Living a life where Christ is enough. Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you so much for the richness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that the gospel is enough. The lamb is enough. The cross is enough. This we pray in Jesus' name. That's all for this edition of Living Faith. Stay connected to the teaching and preaching ministry of First Baptist Church by subscribing to this weekly podcast using your computer or mobile device. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet every Sunday for worship at 1045 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. We invite you to join us if you don't currently have a church home and are looking for a place where the Word of God is proclaimed with power and clarity. You can find access to all of this and much more by visiting our website at fbcap.net. We look forward to connecting with you. Until then, this is Living Faith.